the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. As a constitutional law attorney, former senior legal advisor and personal counsel to President Donald J. Trump, Jenna Ellis believes in the rule of law and the importance of integrity in our elections. And she's ready to tackle the big cultural and legal issues facing America. This is The Jenna Ellis Show. Here is your host, Jenna Ellis. Hi, friends. Happy Wednesday and welcome to The Jenna Ellis Show. And I have a great constitutional law attorney who's going to be joining me for the program today and actually uh, specializes in vaccine litigation. Who knew that we actually had vaccine litigation before 2021, right? Well, we're going to talk about that and so much more. But before Joel Oster joins me, friends, we have seen a total failure of government. The botched exit from Afghanistan makes us less safe than we have been in years. Disastrous economic policies have inflation soaring. Your freedoms and liberties are at risk with so many outrageous government overreaches, including the mandates that we're going to be talking about later in the program. The bottom line is we are in the midst of a failed presidency. Biden's approval ratings show that, and I fear that things are going to get worse. So now is the time that you need to be investing in gold, and I trust my friends at Legacy Precious Metals. Gold offers a hedge against inflation and protects you from the volatile financial markets. Legacy Precious Metals is a company you can trust to give you good and patient counsel for your personal situation. Their team of experts has decades of experience helping Americans like you and me make the right decision for ourselves and our families. So call Legacy Precious Metals today at 866-528-1903. That's 866-528-1903 or visit them online at LegacyPMInvestments.com and download their free investor's guide. And joining me now is Joel Oster, who is a great attorney. He used to be senior legal counsel with our good friends at Alliance Defending Freedom. I used to work with the Liberty Council and has a great uh, podcast that is called A Comedian of Law, Debriefing the Law with Joel Oster. So thanks so much, uh, Joel, for joining me today and bringing your legal experience and expertise. I'm really excited to dive into a bunch of topics with you. Thank you for having me on. I apologize if you thought you were getting Joel Osteen. I'm not Joel Osteen. <laughs> if there was any confusion, I do apologize for that. Yeah, well, we'd be having a very different conversation and asking that Joel to repent now for the kingdom of God is at hand. But, you know, that's a conversation for another day. That so is my, glad, we, glad we have a good Joel on. That is my opening line whenever I speak to groups. And whether it's Christian groups or non-Christian groups, everyone loves a good Joel Osteen joke. That is hilarious. All right. Well, so you can see now already why he's called the comedian of law. So, um, so Joel, what is just some of your background? You've been a lawyer, uh, what, since 1997? You've had uh, cases that you were lead counsel on that have gone to the Supreme Court. So just um, kind of, you know, briefly your background and why actually there are some of us who are lawyers that still love the law. Shocking, right? I, I do love the law. I, I do follow this um, mantra of falling forward. I have no idea what I'm doing, but hey, God has a 
great jo- journey for you. So as long as you just follow the footsteps or the, or the pathway, it's been a great ride. But yeah, I started, you know, practicing law at Morrison and Hecker, a law firm in Kansas City. Had no idea what I was doing. I got a chance to go to Liberty Council, and that led to Alliance Defending Freedom or or ADF. But whenever we called ourselves Alliance Defense Fund, people thought I sold mutual funds. And now we don't sell mutual funds. We do religious liberty litigation. Uh, and so that kind of led to what I'm doing now, which is a constitutional practice and a um, teaching lawyers doing CLEs, doing my comedy bit with for lawyers. And so, hey, it's, it's been a great ride. That's awesome. And, you know, I think a lot of us who go into law um, have a have a similar story, and especially those of us who are Christians, that, you know, we go into law, or at least I did, because I just was fascinated by law. I love the study of law, and I intended uh, to be a career prosecutor. And obviously, as everyone knows, that's that was not what God had for me. But, um, you know, but every step along the way, if we just continue to love law, love uh, the truth about justice, the rule of law and um, truly serving the Lord in everything we do, then the doors and opportunities that he opens um, have just been you know, really amazing. And so I appreciate that that your story is, is one like that as well. And, um, you know, from kind of a, a 30,000 foot perspective, since, you know, you have uh, practiced in the area of constitutional law for quite a while, um, there's so much going on today that the mainstream media has their narrative and they have, you know, everything that they champion about the Biden administration. And of course, you know, these, for example, vaccine mandates are fine. And, you know, you even have Geraldo Rivera coming on saying, you know, how could you possibly not want to take um, this vaccine? You're going to kill grandma, you know, right, that, right. that sort of paraphrase. Um, but then you have the actual court of law. And so contrast that for people who want to kind of break through the media narrative versus the actual practice. And it is tough because a lot of us have our one view on vaccines, but another view on the government forcing us to do things that we just don't really feel comfortable with. Uh, I have been doing vaccine law for, I don't know why, but I've been doing vaccine law for about 20 years. Back in the early 2000s, I got a couple of vaccine cases out of New York and and I'm not an anti-vaxxer, but I am very much uh, in favor of religious liberty and religious freedom. And the whole idea of of forcing someone to inject yourself with something you disagree with, that was a huge problem for me. And so the issue is when it comes to immunizations, um, can you get an exemption from immunizations? Now, Jenna, as you know, when you litigate in this area, the first thing you look for is, is there exceptions in the law? And so when you look at these vaccine mandates, the first thing you look at is, are there exceptions? Because if there are exceptions for other people, they cannot deny Christians those same exceptions. They cannot deny someone who's seeking a religious exemption that kind of an exemption when they grant a secular exemption. Right. And, you know, and there, I think it will be surprising to a lot of people who are listening to this to find out, oh, wait, you've actually been litigating in the vaccine uh, realm and, right. and immunizations for 20 years because somehow people think that, you know, the the Massachusetts case from 1905 was the last case that's ever addressed this. We've all been fine with everything else. And now all of a sudden, somehow conservatives are going, wait a second, it's only COVID-19 that we object to. So right. what, what has been kind of the basis of that and what are some of the 
uh, the rules besides the one that you just articulated that have led us to this point? Well, a lot of problems have come up. The particular one, just to throw off the top of my head, there are some vaccines that only derive from the aborted fetal cell stem line. And those that are pro-life, which I am very much pro-life, we're, we, we learned from our doctor that that's where those vaccines came from. So we said, well, are there some alternatives that we could use? Some yes, some no. And so there was a lot of people out there that did not want that uh, to receive those immunizations. But here's the problem, Jenna, and this is the area we had to face in the law about 20 years ago, which we still face today. A lot of governments want to allow the exemption for certain type of religious beliefs, like, for example, the Christian scientists. Okay, if you're a Christian scientist, you can get the exemption. If you have a basic tenet of your faith that says we don't like immunizations, we're going to allow you to get it. But all of those other Christians, that ones that I call follow the Jonah principle, they are not entitled to their exemption because we don't like those religious beliefs. And that's what we saw play out in the, in the law and in these different codes and regulations. And so that's the first thing you look for. Is the law favoring one religious belief over another? And the law cannot do that. Yeah, so with respect to, to religious liberty, I mean, I think it's insane that some uh, states like, for example, Maine, and that case is continuing uh, to be litigated by the Liberty Council uh, to say that they don't even have a an exception for uh, religious exemptions. Right. I mean, that's just absurd, patently. Uh, but there have a, been a lot of people that have contacted me talking about just just conscience rights and about the fact that this is something where the government is trying to coerce someone to inject a foreign substance into their bodies. I mean, so clearly it, this is about bodily autonomy and um, healthcare decision-making and some of those other things. Is there, in your view, an argument that can be made um, as well just from a matter of conscience, not necessarily expressly religious liberty? Well, I want to first approach that exact question from a religious liberty angle, because I think a lot of people miss it. And I, this is what I call the Jonah principle. And I get various, you know, let's say a school district say, no, you, your client can't have this exemption. His opposition to vaccines is really more medically based or conscience based. We will only allow him to get this exemption if he has a belief like the Christian scientist. I said, hold on a second there. That's not how religious beliefs work in a lot of ways. And I use the Jonah principle. For example, we all know the story of Jonah not getting swallowed by the whale, but Jonah fleeing, not going to Nineveh and fleeing from Nineveh. Now, there is no religious scripture somewhere that says everyone has to go to Nineveh. It's not there. In other words, God told Jonah, you need to go to Nineveh. And Jonah did not do that. We have a lot of that play out into our own personal lives. We, we have a, a relationship with God and, and we pray to God and God tells us, I don't want you to do this in your life. This is wrong for you. Jen, I'm going to maintain it's just as much of a violation for you to go against that command from God as it was Jonah to go against the command from God when he did not go to Nineveh. But a lot of secularists don't understand that argument. When we make that argument in court, it's really hard for them to understand it. All right, that being said, let's just put that to the side now. Straight up conscientious objection. Those are hard. That is a valid objection to make. If those stat, if if that's not allowed for under the laws, and some states do allow for conscious objectors, that is it's not a uh, you're not going to lose that case. It's a much harder case when you argue it outside of the protections of the First Amendment. 
Yeah, and I I would absolutely agree with you on that. And obviously, I'm not an expert in uh, vaccine law and vaccine litigation. Um, even though you know we're up there, I think there's a lot of us that are rapidly you know uh, becoming at least uh, experts in the religious exemption area and that part of the First Amendment as applied to vaccines. You know, that's been a lot of uh, of my work in helping uh, some people try to to qualify for those exemptions, which absolutely they should receive. Um, so so in the area of just purely conscience, though, or health rights, or bodily autonomy, or those types of things. Um, what is the current precedent, and you know, from the Supreme Court, if any, on you know some of these issues as applied to vaccine mandates? And talk about the the Massachusetts versus Jacobson right. case, because in my view, this case is being so manipulated out of context by the mainstream media, because the Supreme Court never said that the. One, it was it didn't deal with a federal mandate, right? But it's also, critical. it only, yeah, and it only dealt with a very nominal punitive uh, fi- financial sanction against this pastor for refusing. the The court never said, "Yes, you can compel this, you know, lose your job, lose all kinds of liberties and freedoms." And so, I think they're wildly manipulating this out of context. Yeah, the Jacobson case is interesting. You go back to 1905 smallpox, and it was, I think, a $5 fine, which I read recently is equivalent to a $150 fine today for him not getting the smallpox vaccine. But what the court held there was because the state made a finding allowing local counties to develop their own smallpox vaccine approach, that, hey, that's localized, and the local county said, yes, in our county, we want to enforce, have a vaccine requirement. The Supreme Court said that is unconstitutional. As you just alluded to, that's several steps away from how this is being litigated today, where you got the federal court mandating across the board, across the United States, what one policy will be. All right, let's go back to the Jacobson case. The court also there said, hey, look, you still have to allow for a medical exception because if it's contraindicated for you to receive the vaccine, you shouldn't be forced to inject yourself with that vaccine. And so it did kind of open up this door for a medical exception. Jim, those are very hard for people to get. Uh, I, um, it's, you get a doctor to sign off on it. Usually they're objected to. The states will have their own doctors. If you're litigating in that area, it, it, is, a, it is a lot tougher. And, Jen, I think that we are in a new day today. And I, um, it's, it's fascinating to just talk about how will the court rule. Because as, as you kind of alluded to, we're not just talking about a $150 fine, a, a ticket that's less than a speeding ticket. We're talking you can't even have a job and provide for your family. That's a lot more severe of, of a consequence. And so in light of that, would Jacobson turn out the same way at the U.S. Supreme Court? I don't know. I think that's a fair question. I, I do, too. And I'm talking with Joel Oster, not Joel Osteen. Uh, we made that distinction at the very beginning, who is, uh, the, who is a great attorney, constitutional law attorney, and his podcast is Comedian of Law Debriefing the Law. Uh, with Joel Oster. And uh, and so, Joel, that does raise the next question that a lot of Americans are contemplating now is what eventually will the Supreme Court do? Now, I'm of the opinion the Supreme Court is not going to be able to ignore this question. They may be waiting as long as they can uh, for either political reasons. They're waiting for uh, the record at the lower court stage to be more thoroughly developed and fully um, appraising them before they actually accept a case. They're looking for specific facts, maybe 
maybe, and they're going to pick which cases uh, they want to hear. There's a lot of different theories on this of why they're waiting, but I don't think that they can avoid this for much longer. Uh, What is your thought on the current composition of the Supreme Court and how they may view uh, particularly the Biden federal mandate against private businesses, um, federal contractors, those are two different areas, obviously, um, but those types of mandates in the current composition of the Supreme Court. A fascinating question. I do think you mentioned the Biden mandate when it comes to OSHA. I think that's going to be DOA at the Supreme Court, dead on arrival, because it's a national in scope. And it goes from sea to shining sea, and everyone has to follow this this mandate. And Biden overstepped his his powers. Congress, um, you know, under the Commerce Clause, can't even delegate in this area, can't create this kind of non-economic inactivity regulation. Clearly, Biden, then if Congress can't do it, they can't delegate this power to Biden. That's exactly what Biden did. I think that's going to be an easier issue for the Supreme Court. The tougher issue is going to be local counties. If you are in New York City or or Kansas City, Missouri, you know, a, a, a more rural area, you know, the courts will probably give deference to federalism principles there. Hey, let's let the local counties rule their own. That's where they're going to be litigating these cases and deciding these cases based upon what kind of exceptions do you have? Did you create all kinds of exceptions for certain people and organizations and not allow them for for Christians or, or other religious beliefs? That's going to be a problem. Uh, and so I think those cases will be decided in, in along those lines. And then finally, Jenna, I do believe the court's going to run the clock out. You know, they, they tend to do that, right? If, if we were in the middle of an emergency, like, let's go back to my dates are going to be all messed up, but let's just say it's, it's March of 2020. Isn't that when COVID just came out, uh, you know, widespread here, I think it was during March madness, my KU Jayhawks ranked number one, couldn't even play in the tournament that aside, the, um, then if, if the court took up a case then, so right in the middle of the start of a global pandemic, the court might kind of defer to government, but now it's two years down the road and three years, four years down the road. And now the court's going to set reason, thought out precedent, which is no, you got to have, you have to have more of a compelling uh, cause here, uh, justification for, for taking away these individual liberties and these individual freedoms. When you pass these laws, you discriminate against some religious groups to the expense of others. And that is problematic. So I think that's how the court's going to end up playing this out. Yeah, and that that sounds very uh, reasonable to me within the context of how the court is already treating this. And I think it's frustrating to a lot of people who want them to decide and decide very quickly and to say just basically, no, we have our rights and freedoms. And it, it seems so obvious to the average American who just has lived in our society their whole life to say, wait a second, this their their visceral reaction is no. My liberty says I get to choose. You can't compel me. And especially when it's this grievous of a consequence to lose their job, to uh, lose the ability to just to go eat at a restaurant in New York City. I right. mean, this is just so absurd. So, um, you know, one of the things that I always um, say on my show, Joel, is that, you know, conservative conservatism as a philosophy and why we as as Christians and as people who are truth seekers want a conservative majority on the bench is not just so that, you know, one party gets to win all the time or that, okay, now the Supreme Court will do everything I think is best, but that they will actually follow the rule of law in the U.S. Constitution. Um, From the, again, the current composition of the Supreme Court, are you 
concerned at all that we actually don't have a conservative majority that's willing to set aside political bias, media attacks, that kind of public pressure and actually follow the law. Uh, Yeah, that is very interesting. And when you look at this current Supreme Court, you're trying to predict how they're going to rule on certain issues that we would hold near and dear to our hearts. We would like for them to be more principled. I know we're kind of very nervous about a couple of right-to-life cases coming up. I find a lot to be hopeful for uh, with this current Supreme Court. I think we have five justices there who have ruled recently in such a ways that should give us great comfort and hope for how they're going to rule six months from now and a year from now. Now, Gina, I could be sorely disappointed. I know you're probably thinking, Joel, you are way too optimistic. You probably think your sports teams are going to win the championship every year, despite the fact they haven't won in years. That is true. I'm very optimistic. But I think, let's look at this current Supreme Court and the composition. You have five justices there on this, this Supreme Court who would not even enjoin the Texas SB8 law. Jim, that is an amazing stat right there. I mean, can you imagine a previous court that would not have immediately enjoined SB8, but five justices on this court says, nope, we're not going to enjoin that law. We're going to let it stay on the books while we consider these other cases, and we're going to let this case be fully briefed. I think that is amazing. And so I, I find comfort in that in the, in the future. I do hate the politicking of the court. I'm thinking of the Chief Justice John Roberts. We we love Chief Justice John Roberts. I remember when he was appointed. I had a conversation with someone at ADF who personally knew him. said, Joel, take my word for it. I know him personally. He is not going to let us down. (laughs) And then you had Obamacare 1 in the case of the phantom tax, where he basically found this right to tax that is before uh, totally unaware. People were unaware that right even existed. Uh, Well, nonetheless, um, I I still take comfort in this current composition. I think that they will do the right thing when it comes to these right to life cases and these vaccine cases. Um, I think we've already seen that a little bit, right, with the the shutdown provisions and the cases where the government was shut down certain businesses but keep certain businesses open, especially there in California. I think at last count, the Supreme Court struck down five different, it took up five different cases involving California and shutdowns, and they all went our way. So that, that's positive. Mm-hmm. I don't know, I guess maybe you asked the wrong person. I'm just way too positive. I, no, I, I, you know, I love your positivity because I think so many people are thinking, oh my gosh, America is literally about to end right, you know, before right. 2022. And we have this, this negative kind of myopic focus. And especially if you look at the mainstream media and you look at, you know, kind of the doom and gloom that is typically in the news cycle, people do need to be encouraged and they need to be encouraged that maybe uh, particularly in the judiciary, even though they have let us down on quite a few things recently, um, you know, we have examples of that. It's good to highlight the good examples as well and to say okay the judiciary maybe still is functioning as it was intended and we still have hope and so joel you know on those lines of hope what do you think is the best way for people who aren't lawyers um, like you and me who can't you know spend uh, their whole career um, advocating for constitutional liberties but they are invested patriots and citizens they care about freedom and liberty for themselves and their families what's the best way to engage this and to stand up for freedom and liberty in our current society particularly as christians i do believe that all politics are are local and so when you are involved in your local political matters and you are conservative i I think that's extremely important you know 
I, I like to talk in terms of our very First Amendment, the free exercise of religion. We have the right to freely exercise our faith. And, and you know, a lot of people in, our, in uh, the jud- judicial world out there in mainstream media, they like to relegate that term to the freedom to think things. Like in the inner recesses of your mind, you can believe whatever you want and because they are afraid of Christians actually living out their faith and I think if Christians will live out their faith, not just simply have the freedom to think about things in the inner recesses of their mind, I think that's where we win this battle. Uh, I, I think it's just Christians living out their faith and not being, not, not buying into this idea that they should be closet Christians and only think things in the inner recesses of their mind, but actually live it out. You know, Jen, I actually had, uh, I gave a debate, a talk on this recently about the free exercise of religion. Have you heard that being said that some people, Really, we only have the right to believe things, not actually live on those things. Uh, Right. You know, I mean, and this is why you're so right that our first freedoms are fundamental and they're so important. And I, I always tell people, why are our first freedoms the First Amendment? So that we can do exactly what we're doing right now, which is speaking together about truth. We have to be able to do that. That's our freedom of speech, free exercise of religion, and freedom of association. And what the left is doing is they're wanting to tear down all of these things. And we as Christians need to understand why those rights are so sacred and they're so paramount. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I think that's where, that's where our battle starts is, is living our faith. I do think of, of this idea that when Jesus came here on earth 2000 years ago, he reserved his harshest words for get this. I know this is going to surprise you, Jen. You probably didn't realize this, but I, I uh, attended a Bible study last night. I on Facebook. So I think I can talk about this. He reserved his harshest words for, the lawyers. Uh, you read it right there. The Pharisees and the Sadducees were the lawyers of the day. And he said, woe to you, you Pharisees and you Sadducees, you know, you whitewashed tombs, you brood of vipers. So they were the lawyers of the day. Jesus reserved his harshest words for the lawyers. And this is why I think he reserved his harshest words for the lawyers, because lawyers more than anyone else should have known better. We, we should mm-hmm. have known that Jesus came to give us the law as an excuse to love one another, not as an excuse to hate one another. And we as Christians know this first and foremost, we are creatures of love. That's how, you know, what is what John said, you will know that, or Jesus, you will know you are my disciples because you love one another. And so I, I think if you're talking about how can we fight this battle by practicing our faith out there in the, the public square. Mm, so well said. So well said. Well, Joel, how can people find you, your podcast, and, um, you know, looking forward to having you on hopefully again soon because this is such a great breakdown of, you know, everything that we're facing in the culture, but relating it to law specifically. But I'm really glad you gave some encouragement and hope today as well. So where can people find you and follow you? Jenna, this is a true story. Just go to your uh, favorite um, iTunes or your podcasting platform, type in Joel Oster, comedian of law, scroll past the first two pages because that'll be Joel Osteen. I have no idea. You'll type it in correctly. The first two pages will still be Joel Osteen. Go past them and then you will find my page. It's also Joel Oster, uh, a comedian of law.com. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Joel, thanks so much for your time today. And, um, you know, please come back anytime. Loved the conversation and keep up the good fight. Thank, Thank you. you. 
Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.